We're going to be in Luke chapter 24, and we're going to be reading verses 13 through 35. So I'll give you a moment to get there. When I was a pretty new believer in college, um, I took a uh, step of faith and I fell on my face. I, um, I attempted to read C.S. Lewis. Have you guys ever uh, gone in over your head, try to read a book that's a little bit out of your pay grade? Um, after many attempts to hack through even the first few pages of mere Christianity, I just kind of tossed it aside and dismissed it as stuffy intellectualism. I imagined C.S. Lewis typing with one hand, smoking a cigar with the other, with a very heavy, heavy British accent. My point is that to understand the book, you have to understand the author. <laughs> if I dismiss the author, I will give no grace to understanding the book. And if I dive in and the author is speaking a different language or, or coming from a totally different worldview, and I don't account for that, or I come in proudly, reading and learning is a frustrating experience, isn't it? Friends, to understand the Bible, you have to understand God. And how do people do that? I mean, I am talking about people like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John who wrote it. But the divine inspiration is the heart of God. And how do you understand that? Your only hope is that he has to open your eyes as to who he is. This is the reason why some people can read this book their whole life and not see Jesus. This is why many sermons can be simply historical lessons. Or they can be uh, cheering sections for behavior modification. But this is also why a child can read this and understand. God has to open the eyes of the reader. Friends, as we draw near to the end of Luke, today we're going to meet two disciples of Jesus who don't quite understand him on the way in. I mean, they walked with him for years, probably. In fact, they just watched him die. And now they think it's all over. And they've heard rumors of resurrection, but that's all. And today, Jesus himself will walk with them and in one shot, he's going to help them understand both the Bible and the God who wrote it. Their lives are going to change in the ways that you're going that you see right on your outline. First, that Jesus's mission of salvation, that is his death and resurrection, is actually the point of the scriptures. And second, as their eyes open to this, they won't be able to keep it to themselves. Let me first read Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 32, 
And this will be most of the story. And we're going to walk through a lot here in this first point. So bear with me. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're having as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And Jesus said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who is a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with, with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village in which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us? While he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. So the first thing that Luke is saying here is that Jesus's mission of salvation is the point of the scripture. So let me let me explain what's happening. So we've got two disciples. Uh, These are not part of the 12 or rather now 11 disciples. This one of them is named Cleopas, we read, and the other one doesn't even get a name. And they're walking to a town and talking about what just happened. What happened is that Jesus died. And Luke 23 says that these two would have most likely been there. And then Jesus just shows up and starts walking with them, and they don't get that it's him. Now, it's easy, given the context, to just make fun of these guys. Like, didn't you didn't you walk with him for years? Didn't you just see his face? How could you look at him and not get it? 
But, I mean, you have to consider that the last time they saw him, he was dead. They're not going to expect this. And either way, keep verse 16 in mind. Look there. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So let's not get tied up on why, because Luke doesn't do that. Instead, he focuses on what Jesus does. Jesus strikes up a conversation, playing dumb, as it were, asking what they're talking about. And Cleopas actually kind of throws some sass at Jesus in verse 18. Like, are you, are you the only guy who doesn't know what's happening? And um, Jesus just invites them to speak. No, what, what things? Tell me. You know, and they explain the situation. And in verse 21, they explain the reason for their sadness. We hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. So they've explained everything right. This is a guy mighty, mighty of God. He was sold out by the religious leaders. But here in, in verse 21, they explain the part maybe that they don't, they really don't understand. We thought he was going to redeem Israel. He's dead. Jesus eventually stops them short. And you'd think that Jesus would have done something like just say, hey, it's me. Or he would have done a miracle to show them. But he doesn't. Instead, he does a Bible study. Look at verses 25 and 26. He says to them, Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe what the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and the prophets, which is shorthand for, and beginning with the whole beginning of the Bible, Jesus explains everything concerning himself. So do you, you get what he's doing here? They're sad. But what Jesus does to help is he walks them through the scriptures and shows them not only why what, why what happened was part of the plan, but he shows them that this plan goes all the way back to the beginning. It's not some cheap fix. He explains everything starting in the book of Genesis. Have you ever, have you ever done this? Have you ever been walking through the Old Testament and you, you, you read a verse or you see a, a reference and you think, that kind of looks like Jesus there. Is that him? I mean, we've referenced Isaiah a lot as we've been going through Luke. But I mean, all over the Bible. Have you ever done that? And it just kind of blows your mind a little bit. Can, can I share one? This is in the book of Genesis, right after the first sin in Genesis chapter 3, where God himself addresses Satan after Satan has deceived Eve. God says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Like, did you ever read that and realize that's Jesus? Genesis 3. Moses spoils the end. 
descended from Adam. Jesus crushes sin, but he suffers for it. That's the cross. Now keep Genesis 3 tucked in because we're going to come back here later. But Jesus apparently just keeps going through the scriptures. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's definitely me. And then Jesus just kind of tests them in verse 28 a little bit more. He gives them all these gold nuggets. And then Jesus acts like the conversation is over. Well, fun talk, guys. Got to go. And you see what happens? They're just begging him to stay. Which, just a quick um, just a quick bit of advice. If you're ever doing a Bible study, drop gold nuggets and then end on time. And then see how many people stick around. <laughs> but look at verse 30. After Jesus agrees to stay, because this is the payoff for their closed eyes in verse 16. Jesus blesses the bread and he breaks it and he gives it to them. And then their eyes are open. And they recognize him, but then he vanishes. Jesus is not really concerned with people, um, people seeing his identity much more than this quick vision. And then he's gone. This is enough. They have what they need, apparently. So what just happened? Well, I think what just happened is you might say that these two were just born again. The reason why I say that is another tidbit back in Genesis. This is before the fall. This is before the promise of the descendant. What happened right before that? Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and their eyes were opened to their sin. Do you remember? They ate and their eyes were opened and they realized that they were naked. They realized what they had done and they tried to cover up. So here's the parallel between those two passages. The disciples aren't eating from Satan's hand. They're eating from Jesus's hand. And their eyes are opened, but not to their sin. Their eyes are open to their salvation. Here's a quote from a guy named N.T. Wright. This is the meal right here in the book of Luke, which signifies that the long exile of the human race not just of Israel, is over at last. This is the start of the new creation. Right here on the road to Emmaus with a piece of bread. Do you get it? These guys were sad because they thought Jesus had failed to redeem Israel. And now they see that not only is Jesus bringing redemption to the world, that's been the plan all along. Friends, the Bible is full of parallels like this. Do you see them? So let me just take a poll real quick. How many of you wish, as you read this story of the road to Emmaus, that Luke would have written down all those connections? You know, 
Every last one of them? Wouldn't that make your Bible study so much easier? I mean, honestly, I've had times where I've thought, this isn't worth it. This mission is dead. It's too hard, which is another way of saying I think Jesus is still dead, by the way. And I've had times where I've read this passage and I said, you know, if only I was there. How about you? You know, if only I was there, if only I could see Jesus with my own two eyeballs, then it would be easy. Like my Bible isn't enough, right? That's what I'm saying. I think the problem is I often trust my senses more than the written word of God. Is that you? As I think about it, though, I think Luke left out the specifics for people like me. You know, it's like he's just sliding the book across the table, the Bible, and he's saying, hey, see for yourself. It's all in here. I mean, imagine the audience from the beginning of the book of Luke, a guy named Theophilus, who Luke has written to. This lover of God, probably a pretty notable guy. Hey, Theophilus, you want to be certain that Jesus is the son of God, right? You want to be certain that he's innocent? And those people who follow him are innocent, people like the Apostle Paul? See for yourself. Jesus is not only innocent, he's the point of the Bible. So how does this apply to us? What do we do with this story? Well, first, let me address the Christian. Jesus has shown us here that for the discouraged and the downtrodden disciple, you do best to turn to the scriptures. That's where you should go when you are sad. When the mission is hard, that is where you should go. When the mission seems over, don't numb yourself to the pain. The book of Hebrews, here's another connection, in chapter 4, calls the word of God living and active and sharper than a sword. So instead of numbing yourself to the wound that you have, trust yourself to the master surgeon. Allow yourself to be cut by the scripture and see Jesus all the way through it. His words point from beginning to end to a savior who is merciful to his people despite their sin, despite their unbelief. How about when the difficulty isn't internal? You know? What about sharing the gospel with your neighbors? And it seems scary or or unclear. You know, like, here's this person, I want him to know God, but I don't even know where to start. Remember that just like in this text, opening eyes isn't your job. It's not your job. 
if discipleship feels too heavy, you're probably making it too heavy. Because you know what you're supposed to do according to this passage? Pray for people to have open eyes and then open scripture. You can't open eyes, but you can open your Bible. That's what you do. You pray, you read, you ask them, what do you, th- what do you think this means? You get them to respond. You look at the word with them and you see the Lord opens eyes. And if, and if he doesn't, okay, keep going or move on. So here's how this applies if you're not sure whether you believe Jesus or not, or if you don't believe. Maybe one of the big reasons you give is that you think you need more proof. Can I ask you to look at this text? How much proof did these two disciples have? These disciples had Jesus standing in front of him and they didn't see him. What was their real problem? Their eyes weren't open. That's what you need. Now, I implore you, read Luke again if you're new here because he's all over it. The proof is there. But if your eyes aren't open, It doesn't matter how much proof you threw at somebody. That's why you need to pray for eyes to be open. For the Christian, pray for the person who doesn't believe. For the person who doesn't believe, open up the scriptures, preferably with a friend here, and pray to see Jesus. He's all over the place. There are so many treasures in God's word. Would you take a walk through the Bible if you're hurting today? And would you see what the Lord might do in your heart? But would you do it praying for open eyes? Because when this truth sinks in, it is amazing what happens inside of a person. And with that in mind, let's see what happens to the disciples. Let me read the last three verses of the story. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So the second thing Luke is saying here, and perhaps the best part, is that if you see that Jesus' mission of salvation is the point of the scriptures, you can't keep it to yourself. And I don't mean like you can't, like it's not possible, but like you won't. Like it's just, it's going to happen. So here's the end of the story. Look what happens to these guys. They go seven miles back to Jerusalem So I don't know what they were going to do, but they turn back. And they start witnessing to the apostles. They are confident, even in front of their bosses, so to speak, who are probably also a bit downtrodden. But they're also very accurate. 
Do, they, do you notice what they're doing? Look at verse 34. They identified Jesus not as a ghost or a vision, which was kind of the testimony before, but they identify him as the risen Savior. And then in verse 35, they communicate everything that just happened right to the apostles. So do you get it? No longer is their testimony a message of disappointment. It's all because Jesus has opened their eyes by showing them that his salvation mission has been accomplished and laid out by God himself from the very beginning. And so what marks them now is not sadness, but boldness and and truthfulness. They see clearly and they can't help but share it. They change their plans to share it. They go seven miles to share it on foot. So how does this apply? Christian, don't try to keep this good news to yourself. Here's a quote. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. That's C.S. Lewis. (laughs) I like him now. (laughs) Um, Friends, what's being said here is this truth changes the way you see everything. And you're just, you're going to look around and you're going to see things. And they're going to look new. And things are going to happen to you. Maybe even sad things, but you'll see them differently. Maybe not all at once, but over time. And you'll interact with people and you'll, you'll want to see them changed. God will give you a burden for people's hearts. You won't be the same. No matter where you came from. Now, this may not mean that you're called to take a seven mile walk or testify in front of 11 very important people. But it might mean that sharing this good news might change your plans. Whatever your life was looking like, you have been delivered to a far greater mission. Don't try to keep that to yourself. Because Jesus is both the lens through now we would see But he's also the source from which we get our power. Because he saved us. Like, do you get that? He's like, how we see, he's like our mission, but he's also our engine for that mission. Here's what that means. You look around, the world is broken. Okay, tell people what Jesus has done. Uh Uh-oh, I failed to do that. It got hard. Okay. Trust in Jesus for salvation and try again. Do you see how that works? The point is that it's not about you anymore. And that's actually good news. The disciples, in short, could have kicked themselves for missing Jesus on the road to Emmaus. But they didn't. And so here's your closing hope. 
When they saw Jesus with open eyes, none of their sadness and none of their failures mattered anymore. And that's our hope. May we follow their example as we reach the nations. Let's pray together. Dear God, I confess that maybe like many here, I go to the Bible as a last resort. When things hurt, I rely on a cheap quote or I rely on a a feeling or I rely on my senses. Or maybe even worse, I, I pray for a miracle to keep my faith hanging on by a thread when Your truth is right here in the scripture. It's there. Lord, we're in quarantine. We have so much time to read this. Lord, would you call us and would you help us to turn to your word and to see the good news that's so much bigger than us. It's so much bigger than 2020. Lord, this goes all the way back to Genesis and it goes forward to eternity. Lord, would you help us to see you clearly and would you help us to share this message? Lord, thank you for your salvation. Amen.